Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a gathering of people that want to know Jesus and love like Him. If you hear something today that you'd like to know more about, you should check out our other podcast, Rocky Unscripted, where we take a topic and through conversation and study, we go a little bit deeper. And right now, let's join today's message. Amen. Well, I hope everybody's doing well this morning. I'm so glad that you are here. If you don't know me, my name is Matt, one of the pastors on staff. And today, we are starting a brand new series entitled, Why Pray. So over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about the topic of prayer. And the reason why is it's so interesting to me um, because prayer is... It's supposed to be this, you know, wonderful, this very beautiful thing that is given to you and me as followers of Jesus, this opportunity to, to be able to communicate, you know, with God, the creator of all things. And yet I find that in the context of the Christian life, prayer tends to be a topic that almost brings some tension. It brings a little, little bit of confusion. It brings out some insecurities. For some of us, it even brings out a little bit of guilt because if we're honest, most of us in the room this morning, if you know, when we kind of looked at our past week, would probably say we could have prayed more, right? I mean, nobody probably showed up this morning and was like, dude, I prayed so much this week. I am killing it when it comes to prayer right now. I've been in ministry almost 20 years. I don't think I've heard one follower of Jesus ever say that. There's something about prayer that just kind of, it brings some tension, some Confusion and, 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 and a lot of what we know about prayer and, and a lot of kind of what we understand about prayer really has to do with the environments that we, that we grew up in. I grew up in church, grew up in a Baptist church, and so I can remember one of the first, one of the first kind of opportunities I was around people who were praying was at our weekly prayer meeting. My, my parents would, would, would take us, or in my opinion, drag us, you know, as kids to, to this midweek prayer meeting, and we would show up, and the pastor would be up on stage, and and he, uh, you know, for an hour, this is what would happen. People would write down their prayer requests on, on prayer cards. And then, you know, an usher or somebody would bring it up to the pastor up on stage. And then he would read them. He would just read them. And so he'd be up there and he'd be like, okay, today our brother John, uh, we're going to pray for his Aunt Kathy's big toe because she got that fungus. And so um, uh, Sister Patty, could you pray for that? And Patty would get up and be like, God, please be with Aunt Kathy and her big toe. And that's what we would do for an hour. And it was so boring, okay? And so I'd be sitting there. I don't know Aunt Kathy and I don't even care about her big toe. And so, and so I began to learn very quickly that prayer Prayer is, is transactional, right? It's very transactional. We pray when we need God to do something for us or we need something from him. And, and so then I remember like getting to my middle school, high school years and, and hanging out in our youth ministry. We do kind of the same thing. You know, we get together on Wednesday night and our student pastor would get up there and he'd be like, hey, okay, we're gonna take some prayer requests and students would start raising their hands and the, you know, this kid would raise his hand and be like, hey, you know, we wanna, we wanna, you know, I wanna pray for this, this, this. And then they introduced something new. The adults didn't do this, but the students did. And they, they had a request called an unspoken. Anybody grew up in church like me? You remember the unspokens? And so it would be like a kid would raise his hand and he'd be like, all right, I want to pray for my Aunt Kathy's big toe. And I've got three unspokens. And, and it would just keep going. And you get by the end of the, you know, everyone gives their prayer requests. It's like 50 unspokens and your whole prayer time is God, please pray with Johnny's four unspokens. We don't know what they are, but you know what they are. And that's what we would do. And again, it was so boring and it was so transactional. It was so transactional. You know, all we were praying for is, God, we need something from you. And, and, uh, and so if you would do this for me, that would be, that would be awesome. 
And so I remember getting into, you know, kind of my spiritual, you know, young spiritual formation years in the context of prayer. I started praying the prayers that you probably prayed. What, you know, you get into to middle school, high school. I, I can remember some of the, you know, the most passionate, first passionate prayers I ever prayed. Get into, you know, high school. And it was when I showed up to take that Spanish test. And I didn't, I didn't study at all. You know what I'm saying? And I got to the test. I'm like, God, if you would just help me be able to speak fluent Spanish right now as I take this test, I will follow you wherever you lead me, you know? And God, if you just do this for me, or, you know, the first time you got, you know, pulled over for speeding, you remember this, you get pulled over for speeding, you're like, God, if you just get me out of this, you know, just help me out, I didn't even know I was going that fast, give me great, you know, you pray those prayers, or, you know, when it came to weather, I can remember, you know, growing up, even at a younger age, God, if you just give us this blizzard, and you cancel school tomorrow, if you could just do me a solid, I've been so busy, I'm so overworked, you know, those kind of prayers, or, you know, sports prayers, you guys get that? You know, God, just please don't let the Broncos be as bad as they were last year. Just help us learn how to throw and catch a football, you know. Or this other prayer, which I think a lot of us have prayed this prayer. We don't like to admit it, but I call this the lottery prayer. You know this prayer? Powerball's like, you know, $5 billion, you know, and you, you go buy your ticket. You're like, God, if you just help me figure out these numbers, if you let me win this lottery, I will give you half. I'll give you half. How much is it? Six bill? I'll give you 70%, God, if you, I'll give it to the church, you know, I'll do more, t- Sean's talking about tithing, I'll give you 80%, God, you know, we pray those prayers, and, and as far as I know, nobody here at Rockies won the lottery because no one's given $4 billion, but if you do, if you pray that prayer and God lets you win, you should, you should do what he said, okay? So, um, but prayer becomes very transactional. It's almost like God is a, like a cosmic vending machine. And, and growing up, you know, in the context of my spiritual formation, this is how I was thinking. Okay, if I behave, right, if I do what God asked me to do, if I obey all the rules, then I almost get like God bucks. He gives me God dollars. And then when I need something, I come up to his cosmic vending machine and I put my money in and I see what I need. And so I hit the buttons and, and I get, you know, I get the answer to my prayer. That was the idea. And 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 while that may work as a young person, eventually you know that just prayer doesn't work like that. Because every single person in this room has had moments in their own kind of prayer life where where you have prayed some prayers, much bigger prayers than God help me with this Spanish test or change the weather. You have showed up and you've asked God to do things for you that only God could do. In fact, some of you have prayed those prayers, not just for a day or two, but for years. And, and, and from your perspective, God has been silent. You've gotten nothing. In fact, if you are honest, there's a lot of prayers you've prayed that you haven't gotten a lot back. You, you may have even go, said to God, God, do you see me? Do you, do you hear me? See, this is a big deal to me, but because I'm not, you know, nothing is changing. I don't know if this is a big deal To you. In fact, some of you have stopped praying because you've come to the conclusion that prayer doesn't even work, so why pray? If you're here this morning and maybe you don't believe in God because you need the God to do something for you and but he didn't show up and and so you've walked away from God, or if you've been a follower of Jesus, but if you're honest, you just haven't been praying much because you are asking big questions when it comes to, you know, the purpose of prayer, and that's created some tension in your own kind of spiritual life. Here's the deal. I've been where you are 
In, in fact, just a, a couple of weeks after I became a Christian, I was 12 years old when I made a decision to follow Jesus. I got baptized and went public with my faith. Not long after that, my faith was tested at such a young age that really set the pace for me almost for the next six to eight years. It was that summer, I was 12 years old, I accepted Jesus, and just a couple of weeks after that, my dad got sick. And if you know my story, my dad, he, he passed away when I was 12, but part of the story was about four months before he passed away, he got incredibly sick. The doctors couldn't quite figure out what was going on with him. He was having a lot of trouble with his legs, and he couldn't bend his, his knees. And at first, the doctors thought he had Lyme disease, and I can remember him going in and out of the hospital, getting treatment, and then eventually they thought he, he had MS. And I can remember walking into church with my dad, and my dad not being able to bend his knees, it was, he, he was kind of, you know, just going side to side, like he was walking on stilts, and he, he had his hand on my shoulder, using me as a, as a cane almost, just to get to the pew where we would sit. And it was getting worse, it was getting worse, and it was, it was getting worse. And I remember this one Sunday that, that it, it was real bad. And they had, the church leadership had orchestrated this kind of prayer kind of service a little bit in the midst of the service, and my dad got invited down, and all the elders and the pastor of the church were down front, and they anointed his head with oil, and they prayed that God would heal him. And I remember that service. I mean, I, I, could just, I, can, I can see it I, I, just as if it was happening today, because, because something very profound happened in that moment for me, my own spiritual formation, because after that service, one of the elders came up to me. And he said something along the lines of this, how awesome is it going to be when God heals your dad? It's going to be amazing. And four months later, my dad passed away. In fact, I remember also that service because in that service, they sang that the, one of the great hymns of all times, How Great Thou Art. And I remember being in the pew and my dad was, was sitting down from me and he was a, like a, a manly kind of guy, guy's guy, didn't show a lot of feelings. And I remember looking down and my dad was sobbing. And four months later, my dad passes away and here's what I remember thinking. If this is what it's like, if this is what you get as a follower of Jesus, then I'm better off on my own. And friends, I hated that song, How Great Thou Art, for years. Hated it. In fact, when I would be in church and they would sing that, I, I would almost get sick. So I was so confused and angry with God. God, if you're God, and if you love me, then do you not hear our prayers? The prayer was for my dad to be healed, not for him to pass away. And if you have any confusion or any tension in, the, in your own context of your kind of relationship or your communication with God, I'm so glad that you're here because this is what we're talking about over the next couple of weeks. In fact, the guys and the girls that were running with Jesus 2,000 years ago, they, they had a lot of questions when it came to prayer as well. Because here, here's what I think. Your Bible is going to be in Luke chapter 11, where, the, where Jesus' disciples walk up to Jesus and they engage with him uh, on this conversation about prayer. And here's why. Because I think as they've been following Jesus, they have quickly become, you know, they have realized that Jesus is praying a little bit differently than how we pray. And, and if anybody knows anything about prayer, it should be the son of God, right? And so I think they are going, you know what? There's something to learn here. Maybe we're off a little bit. Maybe they're even feeling like, you know, Jesus' prayers seem to get answered and our prayers don't seem to get answered as much. And so maybe there's a trick or maybe there's some like, you know, secret formula. I don't know. But anyways, they come to Jesus with the same kind of tension. There seems to be some confusion. 
There seems to be some skepticism. There, there seems, you know, there almost seems to be some, some guilt with this incredibly powerful thing called prayer. And so one day they walk up to Jesus and, and they ask him a question. Here's what they say. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. They go, Lord, teach us. Teach us to pray. Just as John taught his Disciples. Now, don't forget, the, these guys are, are mostly Jewish. I mean, they, they grew up praying. But again, after watching Jesus pray over the course of a couple of weeks or months, they begin to think maybe we are missing it because Jesus' prayers are very different than our prayers. And now they go to the source. Now they go to the guy who is like literally the pro when it comes to prayer. And they say, Jesus, could you give us some, you know, prayer tips? You're the pro. Could you show us how to do this? And Jesus... Because he's awesome, looks at his disciples and goes, I got you. I got you. Let me give you a couple of tips. So here's prayer tip number one. This is Matthew chapter five, starting in verse six. Jesus kind of walks through this idea and teaching about prayer again in this gospel. It says this, and when you pray, you guys want to learn about prayer? Here's the deal. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Interesting. Don't be like some people who pray, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. It's a very interesting way that Jesus starts out the conversation. Jesus goes, okay, listen, you, you, you want to learn how to pray? Yeah, yeah, we want to learn how to pray. Okay, you know those dudes who, you know, who are out there who say those incredible prayers at church, and they're out there like on the street corner praying for people, and they go, yeah, we've been trying to like pray like them. Yeah, we know them. We're trying to become like them. Jesus goes, here's the thing. Here's the thing for, you know, for those people and those kind of prayers. God isn't moved or impressed with their prayers, and they kind of go, what? He goes, yeah, God's not impressed at all. In fact, Jesus goes, people who, you know, people who pray like that, who want the attention of other people, their reward is that they get the attention of other people, but they do not get the attention of God. Hmm, interesting. To which I think they start thinking, well, you now you have our attention because we've been trying to pray like that. If you're saying that we don't get God's attention by praying like that, then again, God, how, or Jesus, how should we pray? He keeps going. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Because when you pray, it's just different when, when you pray. And Jesus leans in. And really the first question he asks his disciples is, well, where do you pray? What? No, teach us how to pray. Jesus goes, yeah, yeah, but when you pray, where do you pray? To, to which if we were there, we would say, well, can't we just pray anywhere? And I think Jesus would go, well, yeah, you can. But I'm just curious, where do you pray? Where, where do you go? When you need to talk to God, where do you go and pray? And I think Jesus is telling his guys 2,000 years ago something very, very important. Something that I think that, that they are, if they're not careful, they will miss. Something that we will miss. Because essentially Jesus looks at his guys and goes, gentlemen, okay, 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 you want to learn how to pray? Okay, look, look. I want you to find it when you pray, when you go and pray. I want you to go and find, uh, find a place where you can have a private, uninterrupted conversation with your heavenly father. I want you to find a place where just, it'll be quiet, it'll be calm, and you can really lean in, distraction-free. And if you do, Jesus keeps going again, verse 6, then your Father 
who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And there's that word reward again. Meaning that secret prayer, this is what Jesus teaches, secret prayer is a better rewarded prayer. Now don't forget, just the last verse, Jesus says, look, what was the reward for the people that are out there? They want the, you know, they're out there, they want all the accolades, and well, they're amazing, you know, people of prayer. They got all the fancy words, and they're in the church, or in the synagogues, or out there on the street. Jesus says, what was their reward? They got the attention of people, but not of God. But if you go find a room, and Jesus is very descriptive, you know, if you go in the room and you close the door, and you pray in private, To your heavenly father, Jesus says, you won't get the attention of people, but you'll get the attention of God because God will be able to see why you're praying. So pro tip number one, Jesus goes, you want to learn how to pray? Yeah, we want to learn how to pray. He goes, you got to go find a room. You got to go close the door. Now, the point is not necessarily that you should walk out of here and go find a room, although you can. You can take this very literal, and I think you should. But the whole point that Jesus is making, he's saying, look, you've got to find a place. you got to create a place that when you engage with the Father, you can do so with your full attention. This is very, very important. He's just setting this up for what is to come, but you gotta get that right first. Here's a second pro tip from, from the, the, the best you know, prayer person in the history of the world, Jesus, verse seven. And he says this, and when you pray, here's pro tip number two, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And Jesus, if I was there, I'd have been like, amen. That's what I'm talking about, Jesus, because there are people, you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of you older people a little bit. You, you do this sometimes where the food gets brought out to the table. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the birthday dinner. It's the, it's the you know, Thanksgiving dinner. The, the food is hot. It is fresh. It is ready to eat. And somebody says, Grandpa Joe, would you pray for the meal? And Grandpa Joe starts a prayer service. You know what I mean? And he's just going for minutes and minutes. And you're thinking, you know, you're thinking this is so unspiritual, but you're going, Grandpa Joe, wrap it up, brother, because it's time to eat. Eat. In my house, whenever we pray over food, I'll say something like this. Hey, you want to pray for us? Keep it short. And people, I think, are sometimes like, I can't believe you said that. I can. Look at the food. All right, we're, we're here to eat. Why do we have to pray before? How about we eat, get full, and pray after? You know what I'm saying? Then I'll be totally focused. But, but Jesus kind of leans in with his guys. He goes, look, 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 you don't have to keep on babbling like some people do. And in the context of the culture in which Jesus is saying this, there are these other pagan religions. And if you went to one of their prayer services, the, the, the pagans would pray in such a way as almost like they were pestering God on purpose. They would pester their gods. It was as if their gods didn't really want anything to do with them. And so these pagan priests, they would just keep saying the same thing over and over and over again, almost to bother God so much, their God so much, that that their God would change their mind. Parents, you get this. You know what I'm saying? It's 30 minutes to dinner, and your kid rolls in and goes, can I get a snack? And you go, no, we're about to have dinner. Oh, man, I really wanted a snack. No, we're not going to do snack because we we're about to have dinner. Your mom's cooking dinner. It's going to be ready. 30 seconds later, can I get a snack? No, you can't get a snack because I just told you we're having, you know, two minutes. Can I get a snack? Can I get a snack? Can I get a snack? And somewhere along the way, you're like, go get a fruit snack and leave me alone, right? This would be the rhythm. 
of a prayer service for, for these pagan priests and these pagan religions. And Jesus says, you don't have to do that with your dad. In fact, you can keep your prayers short. You can keep them short. You don't don't have to say the same thing over and over again. And you don't have to have these incredibly long, eloquent prayers. You you don't have to do any of that. And and here's, here's why. Because what you say during prayer, I think for Jesus, is... It's not as consequential as this if you pray. Look what he says, verse 8. Jesus says, you know, you don't have to be like them. You don't have to keep rambling on over and over and over. You don't have to be like them. Here's why. For your father knows what you need before you. Ask him. Dang. You don't even have to ask because God already knows what you would be asking to which if I was there and if you were there like in this conversation wouldn't the like the just a realistic next question that you would be thinking this is what I think well then why pray why pray and the reason why you would ask it and and I would ask it is because for us the idea of prayer is very transactional if this whole conversation is just about me asking God what I want or I feel like what I need him to do if I don't have to do that if Jesus goes, look, you know, God already knows what you need. You don't even have to ask. He, he's your father. You can keep the word short. You don't have to keep going on, 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 on. He already knows what's going on. He knows the needs. He knows the wants. He knows the desires. Well, if you take that away, then what are we going to talk about? All of a sudden, this conversation with God has become this, like, incredibly awkward blind date, isn't it? Hey, God. Hey. Okay, well, you already know what I want, so bye. You know what I mean? Like, you got nothing. You got nothing. And this is the tension that I think Jesus, again, he is so crafty here. I think this is the, this is the reason why he's leading his disciples the way he is in this conversation. He is leading them in the way because I think he knows, and he knows you and me. Here we are 2,000 years later that if we're not careful, we'll make this thing so transactional. And Jesus says, hey, when you pray, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a room. I want you to close the door. I want you to remember, you don't have to be so eloquent with your words. In fact, you can keep it very simple and very short. Because your father, he knows you. He knows you. And just the opportunity, this is, he's talking about God here. And God, he, he already knows what you need before you would even ask. And yet, he still He still wants to talk with you. Jesus creates this tension because most of us have reduced prayer. Not something that's relational, but something that is transactional. And then what Jesus is about, and what he's about to tell his disciples, especially in those days, 2,000 years ago, would have been incredibly radical. It would have been a whole new way to kind of see See this thing called prayer. Look what he says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. You got your two pro tips. Find a room, keep it short. Verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Pray like this. Say this. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. It's not transactional. He starts out relational. He leans in with his guys. He goes, okay, guys, when you pray, I want you to be mindful of something that is an incredibly big deal, that God 
God. We're talking about God here. The creator of all things, all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient. We're talking about God here. I want you guys, don't forget this. Don't just skip to all your, you know, your, your list, you know, your, your Christmas list of prayers. No, no, no. I want you to remember. I want you to be mindful. I want you to think about who it is you're talking to. God. And you get to call him dad. So relational. You get to call him father, God, who could choose to want nothing to do with you, wants everything to do with you. And when you start a conversation with him, I want you to be mindful of who he is and how he views you by referring to God, again, God as Father, And then here's the next phrase that we often skip. We don't think about this. We don't talk about it. But this is what Jesus says. He goes, look, guys, when you pray, you find a quiet place. You, don't, you can keep it short. You can keep it simple. You pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Look at the next phrase. How would be your name? Jesus' point is this, that when we pray, we should pause and acknowledge who we are talking Two, there should be a sense of awe, a sense of wonder, this great honor that you get to address God directly. You don't have to jump through a, a bunch of hoops. You, you get to be reminded, you know, that I am known by God Almighty, that God hears me, he loves me, he sees me, to know that God has considered me and invited me into a relationship with him. It's like Jesus leans in, he goes, guys, you want to know how to pray? then you got you to gotta get alone. You got to create some space to really understand what's taking place. What an incredible miracle that we can talk to God. I think Jesus, I think this is what he's trying to say, that when we pause to reflect on who God is, we gain a better understanding of who we are and why we're here. It's an opportunity to get re-centered and refocused, you know, to have a, a better understanding, a broader context of our lives. You get to be reminded that when you're talking to God, that, that you know, that we are significant, not because of, of what we accomplished, but we're significant because God, who we're talking to, is our dad. And we are his kids. And if you skip over this, and Jesus knows this, if you skip over that, if you rush by that, then you'll be also tempted to skip what Jesus is about to say next. In fact, if you skipped over that, you'll begin to resist what follows. And what follows is what Jesus is going to say, essentially, this is why we pray. But if we don't begin by experiencing some sense of awe that, that we get to talk to our Father who's in heaven, again, the creator of all things, if we just get by that, then what he says next will be lost on you. And I would argue for me and for you, it's why our prayers, I think, have become so predictable and oftentimes, if we're really honest, ineffective. Here's what he says. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now look at this next part. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if we were there, we would say something like this. Wait a minute. What about our kingdom? See, I came in here to tell you what I needed. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how you pray. When you pray, you say, you know, our Father, how to be your name, God, you are great, you are awesome. Man, just the opportunity we have just to do this relationship. Thank you so much for inviting me into this and reminding me who you are. And Jesus says, the next part isn't your wish list. The next part is, God, this is all about you. 
I'm all about you. I'm all about what you want. This is your kingdom. This is your will, you know, to which we would go, what about my kingdom, though? There's tension here. What, what about, you know, my will? What about my family? What about my job? What about my health? What about my fears? What about my bills? What about me? To which Jesus would say, I see that hand, Matt. Thank you for those questions, but I already addressed that. You remember two verses ago, I said, what, your father already knows what you need. Oh, so I don't have to start out with that? No. No, in fact, you, you probably shouldn't. You, you should focus in on God, your dad, who loves you and is going to remind you of the most important things. See, when you pause, when you find a quiet place, when you begin to have a conversation, you acknowledge who God is, it's hard to get to all your stuff without saying to God, you first. This is amazing, God. You first. Hey, your agenda first. Your will first. Your kingdom first. To which Jesus would say, guys, the purpose of prayer is to align or realign yourself with God. It's to make sure you're exactly where you need to be. Jesus would say this. Listen, our, our prayer is like this. Heavenly Father, before I ask anything, I want you to know that I want what you want. And my guess is most of us have never prayed that prayer. God, before we get into because listen, he's going to tell you, and you're going to see this over the next couple of weeks. He's going to say, yeah, come on. You can bring your requests. But before we even get to those... Jesus says, before you get to all your needs and all your wants, look, look, I want you to be reminded about who God is. I want you to find the quiet place so it can overwhelm you. And so that in the context of your conversation with God, you can say to God, God, before we get to anything else, no matter what else we're going to be talking about today, I want you to know that I want what you want. I want what you want. I want what you want, even if that means it, if that's going to trump what, what I want. I'm going to go with you, even if it's not the way that I want to go. I'm going to think like you think, even if that's not how I think. Jesus is telling his guys, guys, listen, prayer is not about moving God, but being moved by God. We're not showing up in this transactional relationship and, you know, our cosmic vending machine and getting what we want to eat that day. And go, Jesus, that's not how it works. How it works is we get into the presence of God and we become, you know, overwhelmed in and off who God is. And that we might get to the place in our own life that we would go, God, I'm going with you. Dude, I got so many things blown up in my life right now, but before we get to any of that, I just want you to know, God, I'm going with you. Whatever you say, whatever you want me to do, however you want me to think, I'm going with you because I want what you want. Now, Jesus will model this for us. This is Luke chapter 11. 11 chapters later, Luke chapter 22, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be crucified. This is the story of Easter. Jesus is in the garden. His life is, is literally about to blow up. And what is he doing? He's praying. And wouldn't you know it that he's going to take his pro tips from 11 chapters ago with his disciples, and he's going to rep it out for his disciples to see. Look, look what he says. Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Starts out his prayer the same way he told his disciples to start their prayer. He says... Father, in one word, Jesus is reminding himself that he has a father in heaven. 
And Jesus, knowing what is to come, says this to his father. Father, look, if you are willing, I know you can do all things. If you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, here's the deal, not my kingdom, not my way, not my will, but yours be done. Here's what Jesus says, Father, I don't want to go through this. There's nothing about this, you know, from a physical standpoint that I'm looking forward to. But if this is what you want, then I want it too. This would not be the way I would choose, Dad. But if you're telling me this is the way to go, then this is where I would go. And friends, in that moment, I know that we weren't there physically, but you got to know this. You need to know that in that moment, when Jesus is repping out his own view and purpose of prayer, when he's saying to God, I know what's coming, not my will, but your will be done, God. So if this is your will, say it. And God says, this is it. You have no idea what hangs in the balance in that moment. Do you know, in this moment, it's so critical. That's why when our authors are writing this down, they're saying Jesus is, is so intense. This moment is so weighty. He is dripping blood. Why? Because what hangs in the balance, you know what hangs in the balance? You do. I do. All of us are hanging in the balance in this moment because if Jesus doesn't go to the cross, then friends, you have no hope. I have no hope. Such a pivotal moment. We go right past this. We don't think, even think about this, even in the context of our own prayers, and you should. And here's why. The, the, you know, if you're like, well, Matt, if you were so like discouraged with God and you, know, you hated hymns when you were 12 years old, what happened? Here's what happened. Because eventually along the way, here's what I realized, that God was answering prayers that I didn't pray. You know when you needed God the most and when I needed God the most, we needed God the most in that moment in the garden when Jesus is praying to the Father, Father, if there's another way, the Father says, Son, there's no other way. And do you know what, this is what I think, do you know, I mean, what would make a father say to his son? What is the father thinking about in that moment when he says to his son, son, there is no other way. You must be tortured and crucified. You got to be nailed to a Roman cross. Son, I love you, but there's no other way. You know what I think God is thinking about in that moment? Why he would say to his son, you know, create tension in his son's prayer life. He's thinking about me. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about 12-year-old Matt, who's going to lose his dad, because his dad's body, because of sin, is no longer going to last forever. And unfortunately, his dad's heart would give out at the age of 35. And God is, I think, in this moment saying, son, you may not know this, but there are prayers coming down the pipeline that I'm gonna answer now. And 2,000 years later, here we are in certain circumstances where we might be saying to God, God, where are you? What are you doing? I don't think you understand. And if you will get to a quiet place, I think you'll hear something from God that will go something like this. I see you, I love you. If you're wondering what could move a father to have his own son crucified, it's because I was thinking about you. I was thinking about this moment. And the only way, Matt, that I could offer you some hope is to ask my son to die. Whew. 
Oswald Chambers has this quote that kind of spurred us on even to do this series, to get in some of the tension of this conversation with God that we call prayer. I love what he says. Here's what he says. To say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me. And then I change things. Love that. Friends, you got to know this. Can we just be honest? We're in church this morning. We live in a broken world. It's fallen. Sin has festered. And we see its consequences on the daily. Sinful people doing sinful things. Bodies that are no longer made to last forever. Death is very real. Somewhere around 300,000 people a day die. And God, 2,000 years ago, in light of that tension, asked his own son to do for us what we are unwilling or unable to do for ourselves. And he does it. And he does it. And here we are in this, this world filled with tension. And we come before our dad. And we find the quiet place and we shut the door. And we get on our knees and we go, Dad, it's crazy out here. But I love the fact that I got a dad who loves me so much that he was willing to send his son to the cross. So because of that, dad, I'm with you. And I want what you want. And I know that you already know what I want and need. So before we get to any of that, dad, thanks for loving me. And it's in this moment, here's the thing, in these moments we're able to lean into the tensions of life because I know you have prayed prayers that you feel like God has been silent on. Here's what I know, when we keep moving forward, when we keep pursuing God, when we go, man, I'm I'm God, I'm going with you, even if this isn't gonna go the way that I wanted to, here's a beautiful thing, that prayer begins to do something to you begins to do something to you, begins to change and to mold your heart in such a way that you might even get to a place where you begin to be the answer of maybe somebody else's prayer. Can I tell you one of the coolest things? Been in ministry for 18 years. And unfortunately, I can count on more than two hands. In ministry, when I've gotten a phone call that I have grown to hate and to love. I'll get a phone call, go something like this. Hey, you know the so-and-so family? Yeah. You know, they've got some middle school and high school kids. Yeah. Their dad just passed away. All right. I drive over to their house and the whole time I'm driving over there, I'm thinking about my own story. The old, the old, the, 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 all the tensions in, in my life as a 12-year-old. And I hate it. And I love it. Because I get to walk into that room with those 12-year-olds, the 14-year-olds, the 17-year-olds, and I get to say something that very few other people get to say. I know exactly where you are. I know what's going on inside of your hearts. My guess is right now, you've got a lot of questions about life and about God. I've been there. Let me tell you about my story. 
Very few people get to do that. Here's the beauty of the gospel. That in the context of your conversation with God, this beautiful thing that we called prayer, if you find that sometimes this thing's not gonna go the way that you want it to, Jesus can walk into your room and say, I've been right where you are right now. I've prayed those prayers. And sometimes it doesn't go the way that we want it to, but isn't it awesome that we have a dad who loves us, who guides us and directs us and wants this conversation called prayer because he knows the more we chat with him, the more we are changed to become like him. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to close our service. I want to have the shortest prayer service ever in the history of the church. You in? We're not praying for big toes, okay? We don't care about that. God does. If you have fungus, may it be healed, okay? So here's the deal. All of our campuses, I just want you to stand for a sec. Just stand. Niwot campus, stand. If you're at home, you could stand with us. And I know this isn't, you know, a clo- this isn't a room. You can't close the door. But I just want to pray the prayer that I think Jesus calls us to pray. Before we get to all of our needs and our wants, and you're going to find that Jesus cares about all of that. But before we get to all that in the next couple of weeks, can we just pray a prayer and be in awe that God loves us? He loves us. And he died for us. And if we got to choose, you know, our way or his way, aren't we going to choose his way? Don't we go with him? So shortest prayer service ever. If you want to hold your hands up or however you want to, I'm praying this on behalf of all of us. This is one big closed room this morning. Now our campus, you just say, everybody at home, just bow your head and close your eyes. Let me pray this prayer. Our Father in heaven, today would you change our hearts to want what you want? We acknowledge that you are in charge. So you do what you want in our lives. And we will trust you. And we will follow you wherever you lead. Amen.